Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Oz Business Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. It's great to have your company just gone midday Australian Eastern Standard Time. And of course, uh, that is when we do the call. Two experts, 10 stocks, 60 minutes, and it's always a lot of fun as well as being very informative. It's, and today's uh, panel is star-studded as usual. And welcome, Jumbe Lay. Lou from uh, Tribeca Capital. Jumbay, welcome. Thank Good you. to have you on board with the call. Um, and Claude Walker from A Rich Life is with us again. Claude, how are you, sir? Good week? Well, thanks. Yeah, it's been a great week. Thanks for having me. Excellent. All right. We're going to get straight into it because not only do we do the 10 stocks that you send in, we also uh, have a stock of the day, something that's been in the market. Um, and let's check with the experts to see whether that's changed their opinion of them. And uh, CSL has secured an additional 750 million US dollars in debt from offshore investors. New private placement has a weighted average interest of 2.68%, uh, an average life of 11 and a half years. Meantime, on Wednesday, CSL said it would start trials for new blood plasma treatment for people with coronavirus, which we talked about last Wednesday. So um, um, going to the markets for more debt, Jumbe, uh, does it change your view on, on CSL? No, absolutely not. Uh, look, this is part of the uh, ordinary doing business for them. They're just replacing some of the existing debt. But what I can say from uh, the amount of interest and the low interest rate they managed to secure is that there's enormous amount of demand for a company um, like CSL. Right. Okay. So, so really, just a, a good bit of balance balance sheet management, if you like, going for. Absolutely. And as usual for this company who has been uh, proven to be very prudent and great managers for this business. So uh, business as usual, strong balance sheet, great growth, and the business is uh, a very limited impact from the COVID-19. So you still like it? Uh, would be a buy at the, even at these levels? <laughs> Look, uh, tactically, you know, took CSL probably will retrace back to about $300, but no. it is one stock you buy and hold, and that company would do very well in the next three years. Okay. Claude, what do you think? Was the right move for them? I Yeah, it's definitely the right move as it uh, secures their funding in an environment where debt is very cheap, interest rates have just been cut. And uh, on, on top of that, you've got the potential... Uh, 
for CSL to be part of the solution to the pandemic. So it doesn't really surprise me that this uh, was so well supported by debt markets. You've got to remember, though, that this uh, is probably the highest quality business that trades on the on the ASX. So it is very much business as usual. Uh, it's definitely a company that I like. Unfortunately, I've got to confess here, I actually sold my CSL shares years ago when I thought they were too expensive. At, I think it was $110 per share. <laughs> so that that's a scar I'll carry with me forevermore. Uh, fortunately, my father-in-law has held on to his and done very well. Okay. So would you get back into them at this price? Or um, is it so uh, for... for a normal investor with a, a diversified portfolio, is CSL one of those foundation stocks? Yeah, I do think so. And so from, that's why my father-in-law's held on to it. His, uh, his brief is he just likes to buy and hold wherever possible and not have to think about trading in and out. So I think it's a great stock for that purpose. Uh, right. For me, I'm generally trying to be as smart as I can and get the best possible returns I can. So I'm willing to trade a little bit and also i'm trying to find smaller stocks that are under the radar right. but having said that i mean i should have clearly just held this one it's that yeah. it, it was obvious then it was a high quality business it's still a high quality business now yeah and shumbay at this at these interest rates it's like it's like when people talk to me about government debt levels in terms of funding this economic stimulus you go look uh, gross government debt to the gdp isn't as high as most of our trading partners. It's still pretty conservative, and they're going to be borrowing at under one percent. Absolutely, <laughs> you know why? It? Why wouldn't you borrow? Exactly, at, at that's these what rates? it is, and that's why it makes a growth company like CSL very attractive because growth is going to be very hard to come by. Return is going to be lower and lower because of the low interest rate. So, a growth company like CSL will track higher and higher in the next few years because yeah. we don't see the interest rate going higher anytime no. soon. Um, you want to be in a quality company like that one. You can time your entry, but it is definitely a core holding in your portfolio. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's CSL. Uh, still well loved in the market and, and an incredibly well run business. Let's kick off our 10 stocks that you've suggested and a really good mixture of stocks. Though. I seem to say this pretty regularly, but thank you for sending them in. Some fascinating ones here. Uh, Jumbay, let's uh, kick off well with Bell Financial Group, a full service stockbroker investment advisory group. What, what do you think of them? Look, I think um, being that type of business, more financially leveraged business, um, they do very well when the market started rallying away. So yeah. as we can see in the last month or so, the performance being incredible. But if we're going to have a market wobble, a company like that will be sold off sharply, very quickly, simply because um, their earnings are leveraged to the trading volume. But for now, we know the trading volume from the retail investors has been phenomenal. Yeah. Look at the stats from Comsec. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. And even ASX has talked to, look, the share price of ASX has gone through the roof as well. So with all of that, I think the business will do well. It's probably a hold. It's a hold for this environment. Right. Um, but be mindful when it does rally away, it has a very high leverage to the market directionally. Right. Okay. Uh, Claude, what do you think of Bell? Yeah, so for me, it wouldn't be anything um, more than a short-term trade here. I agree essentially with uh, Bei. Like there's going to be an obvious... Uh, pick up in uh, income from trading as this massive volatility has meant that everybody, myself included, has been more active, uh, even if that just means rotating out of some stocks that they people perceive as very exposed into ones they can feel like benefit. Then you've got other people doing the opposite, trying to buy the stuff 
um, that's suddenly, to their mind, really cheap because it's being hit by a one-off thing. So when you have volatility in the world due to the pandemic, you there's uh, this sort of is connected with so much other things. You have this spiraling volatility in markets, in people's lives, all of these things. This will add to trading volumes. And of course, because the markets bounce, the impact today on um, funds under management or you know the amount of money in the system hasn't really been severe. So there should be a sort of uh, honeymoon period for the stock. But yeah, it's not one that I'd buy. I'm actually quite uh, cautious at this point in time anyway. So I definitely wouldn't be uh, excited about his leverage to financial markets. Okay. So why are you cautious? I guess I'm cautious because what we've seen in uh, the last month or so is the massive monetary and fiscal stimulus, which has flooded uh, the financial systems, including stock markets, with liquidity. What's that is, what that has essentially done is removed a lot of risk for uh, many, many companies around the globe, particularly big companies and particularly short-term risk. By removing some of that risk, the risk versus reward equation for owning equity, which is, I guess, the high-risk segment of the ownership structure, that improves. So these fiscal and monetary stimulus that the Fed has led with, but all central banks have been doing, that has essentially made all stocks more attractive, plus lower interest rates means you've got a higher um, discount value, discounted cash flow value when you're looking at valuations. So that's just pushed everything up. But the problem is, uh, I think there's also a lot of underlying assumption that the, the problem for the COVID-19 outbreak and the pandemic goes away in a timely manner. But um, whilst it's very easy to sit here in Australia and say, wow, we can really manage this, we have prevented a humanitarian um, massacre here, which I'm really happy about. Uh, but that's not the case everywhere. You've got uh, UK and the US that really, you know, they're, they're talking about coming out of lockdown, especially in the US, but most states haven't even controlled the outbreak. The overall number in the US looks better than it really is because New York is controlling their situation. And so that was the biggest problem area. And that's going down in terms of cases. But overall, the country um, hasn't really controlled it properly. So at a certain point, there's that much disease out there that people, you can't force people to go out and go to the cinema and go to restaurants and oh. all of that sort of thing. You can't force people to do that. So I think um, that's why I'm cautious. Shumbo, well, what camp are you in, in, in terms of the market going forward? Because we, we have the, these two camps, don't we? One camp that says, hey, yes, we're getting on top of the, the pandemic health-wise um, and things are looking rosy and we'll come out of it and we'll be a V-shape. Then the other camp, uh, a V-shaped rebound, then the other camp says, well, that's terrific to get on top of the, uh, the health side of it, but hey, the financial and economic destruction will last a whole lot longer. And once some of these figures start to come through, markets are gonna be horrified and we're gonna have a retracement back to the March levels. Look, first of all, as the professional investor, I manage, my, my, I manage money for super funds and yeah. as well as retail investors, um, we are always fully invested. So we're constantly scouring the market for opportunities. Yeah. Now, um, 
uh, whether someone can consistently uh, time the market, so you hold cash and then when market come back, you do that. Um, it's it's very, very rare for someone to be consistently time the market. So in yeah. my view is that you see a great quality company, it's down 30% or down whatever price it is, you buy it because right. you don't know what the bottom will be. As long as you did your stress test, you know how far it will go, you know, um, you know the balance sheet is not under pressure and you know the business will have this sustainable franchise once we threw the crisis it will come back right. we bought afterpay in the end of march share price was down 70 percent um we know there's a business there and uh, you know after we bought it, it went down another 30 the next day um and then we bought more so because we saw there's opportunity in this business and we don't know where the bottom might be but yeah. you just have to time or you just have to average your way in so on this basis we always believe there's opportunity in quality company quality company do right. not chase returns which is you know, so when something, so this is when you talk to the Bell Financial, when something's gone up 30, 40, 50%, uh, you got to see what's being priced in because everyone's, um, all the good news is in the market. Yeah. So when Claw talked to their potential pullback, yes, because the bad news of uh, tough economic outlook, all of these things hasn't been priced in and the stock's gone up 50%. So that, that's right. where you see enormous amount of risk. So right. when things are down, look for the good quality company and just buy them. And you need to hold it for some time because okay. hard to um, time it for two days, it's easier to time it for six months. Yep, exactly. Well, you'd be happy with Afterpay now, after Tencent coming in. No inside information on Tencent, no? Absolutely not. A great company, but I must say Afterpay has rallied very hard. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we really are hard. in a recession, so yeah. um, let's not forget that. So um, it has rallied very hard. We are taking profits. So, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, yeah, I do regret it, but it's, um, you know, it's been a great trade. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. All right, our second stock is Ramsey Healthcare, of course, owner of whole bunch of private hospitals here and overseas. Shumbay, what do you think of Ramsey Healthcare? Bit of a stutter because the government sort of took control of all the private hospitals. Now they're back up and going again. Absolutely. When you talk to the V-shaped recovery, this is your V-shaped recovery stock. Quality private hospital assets. It was trading at over $80 when the crisis hit and when government um, held back all the elective surgery. So pretty much revenue disappeared um, to ensure enough beds for people who might get sick out of the yeah. coronavirus. So, um, uh, and then now with the elective surgery gradually coming back, there's no reason the stock shouldn't be back to $80. Right. It's still trading at $64. It raised the equity and now it has enough firepower one is for um, you know scouring the world for opportunity uh, in the times of distress for pri private hospital asset two is that you know even if we have um, you know worst case scenario another flare-up um, of the virus and infection and all of that they're safe because yeah. they have enough liquidity to ensure um, the survival of the uh, of the business so it is a quality asset and the share price will come back it's a v-shaped recovery for this okay one. all right so a tick for ramsey health claude what do you think of ramsey i'm in a similar camp i actually so i don't own shares in this one but i somewhat opportunistically bought shares in Ramsey Healthcare in anticipation that it may raise capital uh, during March. Uh, my theory was that if I bought a small amount of shares, which I only bought a minimum holding, then I'd be in a position to participate in any capital raising that they announced that might be at a discounted price. So at the moment, I'm in a situation where I actually sold my original holding after they announced a capital raising to shore up their balance sheet. And I'm planning to uh, try and apply for as many shares as I can 
think that as you see uh, medical procedures come back on the agenda, which should be and will be a priority, um, you'll see that this uh, company can do quite well over even the medium term. Um, and, and certainly it's a survivor, put it that way. And of course, the government has a vested interest in it surviving, so they're not going to let it um, fall in too much of a prob problematic situation. So I just see it as that that's a little arbitrage that I've done with this company, which will mean that I will be applying for shares in the coming days, okay. probably. All right. So uh, a yes for Ramsey Healthcare and uh, riding that, that recovery in, in health stocks on the way up. Uh, our third stock of 10 is something completely different to healthcare. Will this be a V-shaped recovery? I think lots of people are hoping. Event Hospitality, of course, owns Event Cinemas, one of the biggest cinema chains in the country. They own hotels and resorts. Um, Jumbo, you, you can't get a portfolio of assets under more pressure than, than that at the moment. But, Absolutely. But, but, you know, is, is it so bad that you might as well pick it up? I don't know. Is it oh, a well-run business? Oh, it's a well-run business um, and it's got a lot of assets. So they actually own those hotel assets themselves. So, yeah. um, so what, it's a bit of a property It's a bit property well. play as well. Right. So right now, yes, exactly as you said, it's the earnings are third and third and third. So cinema, um, uh, hotels, and then Threbo. <laughs> so right. uh, the ski assets. So um, cinema's shut. There's no earning there. And hotel is going to take, um, our understanding it will take at least 12 months for it to come back. So cinema earning will come back once the um, the lockdown gets lifted, perhaps in six months. Uh, hotel will be 12 months. And Threbo, some say Threbo might have a bumper season um, if the uh, uh, social distancing um, uh, sort of restriction gets removed because right. people are dying to get out uh, to yeah. have some sort of leisure activity. So potentially that will come back. Now, to me, this is a stock that you don't buy it for next year's earning. You buy it for the asset backing, really. it's This is one for long-term investor. So NTA is supporting, sitting at about Ten, eleven dollars oh. share price under nine. So oh. there's a fair bit of uh, um, asset backing in this stock, but mm. you've got to hold it for twelve months at least um, oh. to move past this period because you know. Um, a hotel might take a long time to come through yeah. um, and cinema might take six, might take a little bit longer. So Threbo might be a bad season, but we know eventually it will come back and it's got the asset there to back it. And they've got good assets, good management. Well good management, well. good asset and uh, mm. Cornerstone Investors is sitting in there um, with the hotel background. So, you know, if it gets too cheap, look, there will be M&A um, sort of discussion uh, and all okay. of that. So uh, I do believe it is a longer term asset play. Right. Um, it's not going to come back very quickly, but yeah. um, there's it, there's a support there. There's a there's a value to where it might uh, okay. hold. Okay, a good price at the moment. Yes, uh, Claude. Yeah, I don't strongly disagree with that argument about the asset play, but for me, it's it's an avoid. Uh, there's a contrarian view that means that you might be spotting opportunities in this kind of stock, but for the reasons that Jungbei outlined, I just see this as having way too many headwinds at the moment. And the thing that would worry me most of all is if uh, the whole pandemic situation actually drags on for a lot longer because in that scenario, in that scenario, we could actually uh, decide, you know, a certain level of infection, slow infection is okay for the society to deal with, but that's very likely to still mean limitations on such things uh, like cinemas. So, and also potentially uh, somewhere like Threadbow, if this uh, pandemic still going around Australia, could also be considered quite risky since it's sort of cold, everyone's inside, there are queues, all that kind of thing. I think it's likely that notwithstanding my own desire to go and have a, a ski, uh, 
they will have problems with managing these like large numbers of people all touching chairlifts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, I'd be very cautious of that one, and um, that also, I guess, is so it tells you more about me necessarily than than the stock. It may be that the tangible assets there do justify a buy at this price, but for me, I'm more of a tailwind investor, so. I'm looking for companies that are actually going to benefit and have a paradigm shift in their favor, of which there are still quite a few, or at least ones that you know aren't going to be impacted at all. Okay, all right. And this does not. Okay, all right. So I know for a event hospitality from you, Jumbaya, yes. Um, a travel stop that not many people have been talking about. Everyone's been focused on flight centers and Webjet and Qantas, but Hello World Travel, Jumbaya, is a big travel business, isn't it? Um, yeah, I remember. Uh, in the country, just been you know um, listed. It was Andrew Burns's private company, isn't it? But but yeah. he listed. He's still uh, managing director of it. Yeah, that's right. I remember this business before was was uh, taken private. Yeah. Uh, I think it started off as Transonic, then was bought by SA, then was bought by MFS, right. then became Stella, then was taken private, and now it's come back. Look, it's a great business. Um, yeah. uh, sadly, we're in the middle of a um, health-induced, you know, pandemic. Uh, yeah. So, and for travel businesses, um, you know. A pandemic is essentially like the global financial crisis for banks in those days. Yeah. Um, the, the, you know, if you look at the revenue, it's gone down more than 90%. Yes, they've done a great job in cutting the costs. So they're much more nimble and flexible compared to the flight center. They just recently released an update saying they're cutting their costs from $23 million to $2 million. Look, it's not sustainable. Um, yeah. Surely that's coming back if there's top line growth. Um, but um, they're very quick in responding to it. But to me, again, this is one of those U-shaped recovery because most of those travel businesses are very much linked to global travel packages. Yep. Um, and I think the global that's travel... Big, big margin. Big margin Bigger business. margin than domestic. That's yeah. right. Remember, they bought the Qantas holiday. Yes. So all of these are linked to the global, to the cruises, global travel and holiday destinations that is going to be at least 12, 18 months away. Right. Domestically, there will be some travel, but look, they're not going to benefit that much from it. So to me, this is a longer term recovery. And, um, you know, to me, it's a void at this okay. point too All early. Right. Uh, Claude, hello, World Travel. Yeah, so I agree uh, largely with all of that. The one thing I would add is this is one that I've looked at as part of the sort of capital raising strategy. So with a stock like this, there is a lot of risk pricing at the moment. It's very obvious that it's going to have a touch tough time. One of the things you can do is try and play this dynamic where when risk is very high, share prices can be depressed. So it was one that I looked at to just buy a small amount and then in the hope that they sort of announced uh, capital raising initiatives. Uh, which would strengthen the balance sheet and that would probably be at a discounted price and then try to take advantage of that. In the end, I didn't go for it, but that was that was the opportunity I saw there. So I guess I see it as one that, yeah, maybe there's a short-term trade in there, but for me, again, for the long-term buys right now, for my long-term core port portfolio, I'm trying to find beneficiaries from this situation rather than stocks that are going to be hit. And we just don't know how bad it'll be long-term. Yeah, Jumbaya, is it a stock though, if it's, if it's well-managed? Uh, and a good company, yes, it could take a while. So it's one almost to put on your list to watch. No need to buy it now because you're going to have to be patient. There, there's a lot of things out there that, that could change its fortunes. But you know, when it does travel, does start to come back, it might be worth looking at. Is it, 
Is it in that group of stocks there that no rush? Yeah, look, uh, no rush. And yeah. actually, you've got to separate. There's a there's a quality company. When things fall, you know it will come back. Yeah. It even might take longer. You just got to buy it rather yeah. than wait for it because it's too late by the time yeah. you get there. Whereas travel, to me, look, they're good businesses, but the revenue will be almost zero. And then the the brand equity, to me, they are just not as strong as the likes such as um, Afterpay or the others. Right. Um, that is highly desirable by its you know by its customers customer yeah. suppliers everyone love it right so yeah. whereas travel business is a little bit um, it's a little bit of a shift between um, you know offline online and then you know and then it's quite fragmented as well so those are the businesses I feel that it's uh, business equity is not as strong as some of the other sectors right. okay. so you can wait okay. wait till it comes back all right our fifth stock of the uh, 10 that you suggested to us for the call today and you want analysis um, Sort of a good old-fashioned industrial conglomerate, I suppose, which uh, was a thing of the past, but uh, Wes Farmers is probably the, the absolute blueprint of, of that Jumbe, isn't it? Has uh, mm. got out of Coles now, sent that, uh, sort of hived off a bit of Bunnings, mm. uh, still in retail chemicals, fertiliser, coal. Uh, a real old-fashioned industrial, is it? Absolutely, and one of the best performing old-fashioned um, yep. industrial um, of all time. As a conglomerate, it's always been trading at a premium to its sum of parts. Yep. Um, great company. Um, it owns the best retailer. You know, um, Bunning is one of the yep. best performing retailer globally, you would call it. Um, it's proven to be very resilient and it's been very strong uh, for this, even during this uh, lockdown stay at home um, uh, sort of period because people are just um, picking up activity and doing up their garden because yep. they uh, garden yep. or, you know, fixing yep. up things around the house that's right so it's been incredible look there is some underperforming businesses in there so Target's a bit tough and uh, Kmart Kmart is doing okay, but Target is a little bit tough. And uh, but majority is Bunnings. Now, um, the key for growth investing in this company is backing the management's ability to recycle capital. And they have this, um, as you said, um, demonstrated a great discipline in uh, you know buying things when they're very yeah. cheap and then recycle and sell coals at the top, which and, has been incredible. And even uh, with Bunnings. They hired all the properties off mm. into a REIT, didn't they? That's so, right. They hired the best people. Example. Actually, yeah. this is what's great about the management team. They hire the best talent and they attract the best talent. Yeah. In fact, they just hire some of the best M&A people um, to look at what they can invest with that billion dollars mm. they sold from the coals. Um, you know, there's rumor talking about they're looking at Virgin. They look at so many other assets. And I think it's a great time to be spending that. So this is a business not um, you buy and expecting the return very quickly, but it is again a portfolio holds um, as a quality business and backing right. their ability to keep keep recycling the okay. capital all right and the share price hasn't bounced that much since the the march downturn mm. so still a good price claude what do you think of west farmers um i think this is definitely one worth having on the watch list uh i find it interesting from a dividend stock perspective if we look across the whole market we've had a lot of companies that uh, people have generally owned uh, for the dividend income that have had to cut or consider or delay their dividends, not least the big banks. Yep. I wonder if over the coming months and even a year or more, if you have this recession, which will probably hurt the banks, whereas West Farmers has, you know, Jewel in the Crown Bunnings and Kmart and Target that at least are the kind of cheap, low-cost retailers that uh, you know people will 
try to save money and, and shop at that kind of place. Officeworks, I think, is a really good business that will benefit from work from home. And, um, well, it's not a really good business, but it will benefit from work from home, and that's good in the current climate. I wonder if West Farmers will be uh, seen as a company that is more likely to be able to sustain um, income for its shareholders. And in that scenario, I can imagine that there's sort of a little bit of a chase for reliable income stocks, which should probably benefit West Farmers. And, you know, the, the current yields over 4%. So if you if you feel like it can keep up at least a yield of 4%, it starts to look pretty attractive in a low interest rate environment. Um, it's too big for me to get excited out as a big conglomerate, but I think it actually looks like one of the more prospective uh, companies to own in this kind of environment if you're looking for income. Okay. Mm. Shumbo, that income yeah. that income play is an important one for a lot of investors, is it? Absolutely. And I think this is a really good point because uh, um, the banks are going to cut their dividends. Some of them have suspended the dividend. Yeah. Uh, many companies have held back their guidance and because of the coronavirus impact and are cutting dividend. So, um, you know, if for a company like um, West Farmers can hold its dividend at 4%, that's incredible. Look yeah. at how low the interest rates yeah. are. So yeah. um, it will do well on that basis. Uh, Telstra is another one on, as a, on the dividend screen, um, but it's, you know, very hard to get excited about, <laughs> about <laughs> A share price future, yeah. So you'd be more excited about Wes Farmers from a dividend play than, say, a Telstra or or the big four banks? Uh, Absolutely better than the big four banks, yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, That's our fifth stock. So um, I think a yes from from both there. Claude doesn't like big industrial conglomerates. He he likes the smaller, more specific ones where he can get uh, really good value out of them. But if Claude even half likes it. That's quite a good thumbs up, Claude. Would that be a good summary? Yeah. Yep, okay. And that's a perfect summary. You know, I'm, I'm half tempted, except I'm just trying to look for like bigger, exciting opportunities, but I do think- <laughs> You just can't break out of the mold. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right, okay, exactly. so so let's recap the uh, the first five stocks. Uh, Bill, a hold from Jumbay, a no from, uh, from Claude. Ramsey Healthcare, a tick from both the panelists today. Um, event cinemas, um, an interesting one to look out for if there's a V-shaped recovery from uh, Junbei, a no from Claude, no from both with Hello World and Wes Farmers um, uh, has a lot of attraction to it from both panellists. So let's uh, look at the second half of the call and kick it off with our sixth stock. And um, whereas Wes Farmers really isn't in Claude's paddock, a, a company like Babcorp uh, or Batcor, I think, would would certainly be on your radar, Claude, wouldn't it? It's a, a car parts yeah. distributor manufacturer. Yeah, that, so that's, ex- that's absolutely right. This was one that I was looking at in March, and I did actually buy shares as part of my uh, plan to take advantage of it, a potential capital raising. Unfortunately, I did it just before they announced the capital raising, so I didn't actually qualify to buy shares. But you can see that it did get quite, yeah, it was an unlucky timing. Well, I missed it. It doesn't matter. These things happen. Uh, However, I thought it was an interesting play because, as you can see, there's a lot of worry about this company, which does have sort of clear exposure to the current situation. And I'll tell you why I think it has clear exposure. It's because... We're going to have a whole lot less economic activity. First of all, there are discretionary purchases in since they've expanded from the ori- original Burson businesses. 
there's more sort of retail discretionary stuff in there, which can obviously be hit in a recessionary environment. And then the second factor is that um, on even though people will probably defer buying new cars, which means more repairing of old cars, which is on the one hand good for bad for. On the other hand, when you have this full lockdown situation and people aren't driving into work and you've got work from home, that's actually less wear and tear on the cars. So it's one of these beautiful situations where it's really difficult to know exactly what the medium term outcome is going to be. And I've got some of these wrong before because on the it's hard to know which of which is going to be the bigger outweighing factor. Now, having thought about it a li- little bit more, I actually do think that Burson or Babcor, as it's now known, will actually probably in the end do quite well with this car replacement situation because although there's probably less daily commuting for a while, um, I think that once we do start moving around a bit, it's going to be relatively much more uh, attractive to, to hop in the car, take the family in the car and, and do a trip up the coast or something like that than it will be to jump in a plane. So I think people will be using their cars for long trips. And on top of that, um, because of the recessionary environment, you do always see this reduction in new car buying, which means you've got older cars on the road and older cars need, need more replacement. So that's what really interests me about Babco. I don't own shares in it at the moment, but that's what I'm watching for. If it gets really low again, I think it's a survivor and it, it could do well uh, in the full course of time. Okay. All right. Jumbay, what do you think of Babco? Um, so, uh, Core is right. So, Babco's definitely sits in that recovery sort of camp. You, yeah. If you want gain exposure to recovery stock um, for a quick return, um, the, the, it sits in that group. But I tend to compare that company with Super Cheap Auto, um, where it's kind of they overlap in that retail component, uh, where they sell car parts and the like. Um, yeah. And Babco is much more exposed to the trade fronts. Um, to me, that you know, with the lockdown potentially to get lifted soon, Super Cheap will have a bigger exp- exposure to that front just simply because they have more retail stores they have um, you know exposure through um, their uh, you know some of other brands you know the camping the the right. uh, boating camping fishing yep. stores um, that's yep. right and uh, you know when you can't fly anywhere what do you do once the lockdown gets lifted you may well be start buying more of those camping stuff and to go uh, go camping yeah. um, so um, I think super cheap will have better leverage to that lockdown oh, lifting okay. and it's much much cheaper um, okay. of course you look it's it's not a company that would trade on huge multiple, but it's much, much cheaper than Babcore. So to me, Super G is probably so a, better. a better alternative. That's right. All right. Thank you both there. So uh, super cheap for you, Jumbay, rather than Babcore. And uh, Claude, you'd be interested on a pullback. Look at our, our seven stocks. So this is in complete contrast to Babcore or super cheap auto getting out and having fun. Uh, InvoCare is about dying. Uh, InvoCare, of course, the owner and operator of a whole string of funeral homes and crematoriums and cemeteries and things like that. Uh, Jumbay, um, InvoCare as a, as a business, it is a fascinating business. We've got the social distancing and the limits on. Mm. Um, but it was only a couple of months ago, I think it was InvoCare, mm. that was applying for liquor licences 
for all of their funeral homes because right. funerals are no longer dour events. Everyone wants a party. Celebration so, Yeah, afterwards. they're turning them into bars. Exactly, <laughs> absolutely. Well, this is what they were doing. They were spending $200 million, enormous amount of market care to refurbish all the, um, yeah. you know, all their funeral homes. Well, essentially for the celebration of the after the ceremony. Um, and uh, yeah, and that was going to be a big driver of growth going yeah. forwards. Um, but, you know, obviously it's being impacted because social distancing and at funeral, you can't have more than two people or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, in some states it's 10 now. Yeah, but 10 that's now. The that's right. But, so they yeah. can't celebrate. So they keep talking about the case mix. So every time when there's a funeral done, you know, how much it total cost right. um, for uh, for the families. And that's, of course, being shrinking because you can't have yeah. um, any of those drinks and uh, uh, lunches afterwards. So that's been very challenging. Now, another thing also challenging for this business is that um, because of this lockdown and so much education about keeping clean, wash your hands and all of that. So this month, this year, we're expecting a pretty mild flu season and yeah. everyone's getting flu shot and all of that. So um, on these basis, in fact, we heard from one of the competitors from Invocare today, they said they're expecting the flu season to be mild. So the death rate may well be down um, post this process because death rate tend to pick up during winter as yeah. well as during uh, during the hot season. So, um, you know, if, if if people are not really getting flus and everything, so we may well be a healthier population. Yeah. Um, so the earnings are quite challenged for this business at this point. Yep. Um, it is weird, Claude, isn't it? Because... Everyone thought, okay, this will be a stock that will do really well because of the death rate with coronavirus. Well, that hasn't happened here in Australia like it has overseas. As Jungbei was saying, we're being a lot more hygienic. So in April is the start of the flu season. Numbers incredibly low. You talk to the health professionals. Um, but also you talk to the police and they say because of lockdown, there are less murders, there are less car crashes um, out and about. So it's being hit from, from all sides, isn't it? Yeah, so it, it's another one of those ones where it's a little bit of a counterintuitive impact. Uh, and that's why we saw, or that's probably partly why we saw it uh, go and move forward with uh, capital raising uh, in April. And I suspect that might be why we've got it as a question is because if I am... Um, Correct. If my memory serves me correctly, currently shareholders are deciding whether they want to participate in the capital raising, which is at $10.40, which is not a great deal lower than the current share price, which is, I think, about $10.80. Um, yeah, so to me, I think basically that this is a survivor business. Uh, however, I think I'm very concerned about the short term for this company it's not a great look having to rush to raise capital in this scenario and i'd compare that probably unfavorably to a smaller competitor competitor propel funeral partners that's actually come out and put another announcement out today uh once again saying that oh they they're, they're feeling like their balance sheet is pretty strong and their share price is up 10 percent as a result now i should disclose i do own a few shares in propel funeral partners and i was kind of hoping they would raise capital at a discount um but overall i think the, the key thing to remember especially for long-term shareholders of these kind of businesses is that probably the reason that you own them is mostly because you have very reliable demand uh yeah demand for their services over the long term so if you've got this situation where you can't have big funerals at the moment but also you have fewer funerals at the moment it is going to be a short-term headwind but in the longer term 
people are going to continue to pass away. So in the longer term, these are pretty viable businesses. Uh, Invercare is too big and too much leverage for me to be probably ever a shareholder. I mean, if the price got low enough. But for me, I do still see the uh, good qualities of this kind of business that has reliable demand over the long term. And that's why I consider um, its competitor like an investable candidate for me, for sure. Right. Um, and and I think I think there's nothing wrong with Invocare either. I just think that it's, it's a little bit big and it's going to struggle to get great returns when it already has so much market share. Okay. All right. Propel is a better option there. Um, our eighth stock, uh, Jumbo Infomedia, technology and electronics business. Again, it just gone through a capital raise, eighty-five million. Yeah, look, uh, to me, it's probably a void. It's just too hard. Um, look, it's a, it's, it's a good business um, and its services or that, um, you know, the uh, main, repair and maintenance space in, uh, across the car um, industry. Yeah. Um, to me, they raised money saying, look, there's a lot of opportunity. We're going to buy something, but we don't know what they're going to buy. And, uh, and, you know, it'd be great if they actually found the opportunity and they raised money and time it together. So right. it was completely dilutive in terms of the raising. And because their customer is suffering so much at the moment, uh, yeah. in terms of their earnings are collapsing at the moment. So it does feel like this business is not in a great spot as a supplier to an industry that's you know, challenged at yeah. the moment. So to me, it's something to avoid right. okay. um, rather than rushing in. Isn't it interesting the way, because we've got to think like you, don't we, as investors, um, and look behind what are they raising for? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the reasons for it? Um, if they come in and say, Oh, it could be opportunities in the into the future. Mm. You need something clearer than that, don't you? You need, you need something a clearer. Plan. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. Something clearer. Or if you're a business like West Farmer, you have demonstrated your ability to continuously repeating the great return you can generate and find those opportunity. Uh, investors will be more than happy for you to raise the money like the Ramsey to invest later on. Right. Um, but for that business, it's just a little bit harder to see what it is. Right, because they don't have the track record to That's prove right. it to us. Uh, Claude, what do you think of Infomedia? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think you guys have cut to the chase, but also been probably kinder than I, I would be about the situation. <laughs> uh, so we had a share price over $2 in February, and they put out their results, and they did not want to raise capital then. Nothing about this raising capital for an acquisition or anything like that. Then the share price drops, like, you know, all the way down to $1.30 or whatever, just a bit above that, whatever it got to. And then I guess they start planning to raise capital. It's rebounded a bit and, you know, they're raising capital $1.50. But it just doesn't seem smart or right to me. Like, if, if you were looking to make acquisitions, why not raise it a high amount? I, you know, I think they've been paying dividends out as well. So it's something just rings a little bit off. And in this kind of environment, I'm definitely not buying shares or holding shares in anything that rings a little bit off at the moment. And what's more, I'm very cautious of companies that suffer from that second order effect. So you've got the first order effect ones, you've got something like Webjet, you know, it's pretty much your, your business is on pause straight away. And then you've got this, oh, hello world. And then you've got second order effect where it's like, well, your business keeps going, but your customer is really hurting. So how long are they going to keep paying you for it is, is the question, which we don't know the answer to yet. So that's a risk that is still very out there for a lot of companies and I'm not I'm trying to avoid most of those companies if possible yeah uh, and nine stock really interesting one in the ag uh, agricultural business links to China tassel the uh, the salmon Tasmanian salmon farmer uh, Jumbo, I think it's the 
the biggest producer of Atlantic salmon in the Southern Hemisphere or something. It's it, a massive business. Absolute massive business. It's got the right thematic. So people tend to um, sort of gravitate towards this company, sell to sell Australia, healthy protein, and then potentially could sell to Asia and all yep. of that. But look, the, the, the matter of fact is, um, it is difficult because the salmon take a couple of years to grow and then you've got to time the demand domestically. Yep. And uh, right now, the business has done very well. Well, the share price has done very well during the mm-hmm. Off. But mindful, um, because uh, because the restaurants and hotels being shut down, so the demand for the wholesale has been um, almost zero. So yeah. as their biggest competitor, Huon, has come out a few days ago, talked to demands dropped significantly. What they have to do is the leave fish in the water; they can't harvest them. So right. what will happen is next year in 2021 there will be a whole flood of fish because you can't keep mm. them too big; yeah, uh, yeah. otherwise you can't sell it um, yeah. into the market, which means it will affect the market demand and supply balance. Right. So to set to Tassel, this is the worst news um, because there's really it's a duopoly sort of market in Australia yeah. and it's very tight. There's only so much you can export outside, so right. it's going to be pretty tough in the next six to twelve months for Tassel. Okay, okay. Even though China seems to be bouncing back a bit, yeah, but they uh, don't sell directly, so it's difficult for them to sell directly to China because pricing is so much cheaper than Australia. Uh, right. Australia actually they get the best pricing, so you want to oh. sell as much Australia as possible. I didn't realize. Yeah, that. that's right. We oh, we pay a lot for our protein. Oh, All right, Claude, I love a bit of salmon. I would like the Chinese price, thanks. What do you think of Tassel? Yeah. Well, I agree that it's a, it's an attractive sounding um, thematic at the moment. And a few years ago, I actually really sort of was very interested in this company and liked the idea of it. I would not be investing in Tassel at, uh, at this point. And there are two main reasons for that. And, and this is not really pandemic related. This is just sort of a general comment on the on the company. So the first one is this is a very capital intensive business. You have risks associated with um, aquaculture, just like you do with agriculture. Now, a few years ago, when this um, salmon farming started in Macquarie Harbour down in Tasmania, which by the way, I visited, and it's like a beautiful area of the world, that was a really great place to be farming, really clean waters, really, uh, I would say, a superior farms product than most you'd find anywhere in the world however you've got three companies there and they're all doing it more and more intensively because they want to get as much yield as they can from um their business and as a result of that you're having um what you know the new the a few years ago a couple of years ago now this is not new um the tasmania's peak environment group said that were dire environmental uh conditions and you had uh you know huge fish deaths and as a result, one of them, uh, Petunia, had to even so just to prove this is real. The fish, is di- the fish died, and as a result, they had to sack, I think, 22 workers. So that's just sort mm. of proof in the pudding there. Even the, even the companies are having to downsize when they have a bit of an environmental disaster like that. Now, there's also been criticism of Tassel from one of its other competitors, Huon, basically saying you are overstocking and, and, and the, ah. the fish poo is causing massive problems in the harbour where basically, you know, the concern from Huon was, and they sort of, had, they went in the news and, and said all this, you know, Tassel's going too hard with this and basically you're going to ruin what's on a good thing. And and what that sort of begun to make me more aware of is I think in the next few years we're going to see a shifting narrative around farmed salmon. And you have basically fish in a very small confined area swimming around in circles all pooing on each other they're not and you know they have to feed them something to make them have the right color 
and I love salmon as well, but I've gone from five years ago, you know, happily buying Tassel salmon to now, yeah. you know, searching on the okay. shelf where do, where do I find the wild the wild salmon? All right. Okay, Claude, that's a nice and very, very eloquently put whole bunch of fish swimming in circles, pooing on each other. That's a great <laughs> getting getting to the nub of the issue there. So a no for Tassel. Um, our final stock today, Claude Aurora, a, a specialty packaging business. Uh, yeah, this is a this is a tough one uh, for me, but I, I'd probably start. Uh, I'd put it in a survival kind of uh, situation. Actually, uh, it's it's going through this sort of situation at the moment, where I think it's a return of capital has just happened, and yeah. I would basically consider it as part of the dividend cohort uh, that that you might consider. Now, for me, again, longer term. I am concerned about whether we might move to uh, a world that has less packaging. However, I don't actually see a viable path to do that anytime soon. So as a result, if I was an investor looking for a yield play, I would definitely mm. consider this stock. Okay. But I still prefer something like West Farmers, which, you know, as we okay. said, I'm a little bit in love with that as a dividend idea. So right. it's sure. not a top pick for me, but only a dividend play if, if you are Jumbo? interested. Oh, this stock is absolutely buy. Um, they are paying back um, in capital return and dividend over 20% of the value um, by June this year. So uh, I'm surprised the share price hasn't reacted. Um, the core business itself is worth um, $2 and it's reasonably defensive type of business. So um, all in all, you're getting 20% return, more than 20% wow. return in two months. Um, um, yeah, the surprise is the share price will start grinding higher in the next few weeks or so. Okay, all right, mm. interesting one. All right, so just to recap, BapCorp, um, uh, yes from Corp, maybe on a pullback, uh, super cheap auto, a better alternative from Jumbay, InvoCare, a no. Um, Claude saying, well, is in Propel Funeral, which is a competitor, likes it better. InfoMedia, no. Tassel, no. And uh, Aurora for a yield and a 20% return in two months. Uh, that sounds pretty good. Um, Jumbay, great to have you. Uh, really appreciate your time today. Great to be here. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Yeah, No, mm-hmm. we'll see you soon. Jumbay Lou from Tribeca Capital and uh, Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Uh, follow Claude, go and visit the website and, uh, and follow his blogs. Always great to have him on the call. Claude, thank you for your time. Have a good weekend. Thank you very much. All right, mate. You too. Um, now, don't forget, if you want to suggest any stocks for us to look at next week on the call, uh, you can email the call at osbiz.com.au. Coming up...